Welcome to this episode of the Greater Phoenix Chambers podcast, Let's Talk Business Phoenix, with me, your host, Todd Sanders, President and CEO of the Greater Phoenix Chamber. In each episode, we tackle important issues and subjects affecting our businesses, our community, and the state today. Through relevant, timely topics, this podcast serves as the business community's voice with the mission of championing business growth, identifying problems that restrict economic development, and conveying community leaders to move Phoenix forward. Let's Talk Business Phoenix was produced in partnership with Ideas Collide, an agency offering a full suite of custom marketing solutions for your brand's unique challenges. Make a connection at ideascollide.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are thrilled and honored to have Keisha Hodge Washington, who is the councilwoman for Phoenix Council District H, newly elected. We're thrilled to have her with us and thrilled that she's in office. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. So it was a uh, it was a big campaign and we're going to want to get into that in a few minutes. But first, uh, I know people got to know you, but, but for those who haven't, tell us a little bit about yourself and also perhaps something about you that we wouldn't know. Um, a little bit about me. I moved to Phoenix um, in 1999. It was supposed to be a three-year plan, and here I am, 24 years and counting. <laughs> Fell in love with the city. Um, I st- I'm a lawyer by trade. I have started off my career at the attorney. Um, sorry, the Court of Appeals. I did appellate clerkship for two appellate judges, and then I went to the court, uh, the Arizona Attorney General's office, where I did child protective services for some time. Uh, my angel wings burnt off, and I went into private practice. <laughs> um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, something you probably won't see on my um, my website. Your bio, my maybe. Bio? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Mm-hmm. I'm a sun devil. Uh, Good. Um, the Harvard of the West. Harvard of the West, ASU everywhere, and we're seeing graduates all over uh, about me. Uh, one of my things I do for fun is archery. I've um, been doing that. I'd like to tell people before Hunger Games made it popular. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing that for some time. Um, I'm right-handed, but I learned during the process that I'm left-eye dominant when it comes to, so I had oh. to learn how to operate a boat with my left hand. So that was challenging and fun. Interesting. We yeah. all, we're always learning new things. Yep. See? Well, thank you for being here. And I, I'll just start out by saying thank you for your service to the city that we we all know that um, this is a tough job and, and re- elected officials writ large, especially in today's environment, it is a, it is a hard job. So thank you for stepping up to, to the plate. So, you know, obviously you've got a lot of plans for, for what you want to do moving forward. What are some of your top priorities? Um, my top priorities um, based on, uh, based on what I saw during the campaign trail and kind of what speaks to me, my three priorities are working on housing stock that we have here. So housing, increasing the number of attainable housing. Um, a lot of people spend a lot of time focusing on affordable housing, but I think attainable housing is something that we definitely need to, and what I call the missing middle. I mean, there's different guidelines, but I think we need to make sure that more of our working families can afford a safe place to live. So you, so the distinction between affordable and attainable. Affordable for mm-hmm. me represents a government financially assisted. Uh, Attainable means you can sustain yourself as a a working individual. So that's my um, Keisha definition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, other priorities? Oh, other priorities. Um, We are well aware that our homeless crisis has Mm -hmm. gotten a little out of control. And I believe we need a more strategic and intentional approach to it. So that's one of the things I want to work on. And I think it is something that it wasn't created overnight and it won't be solved overnight. But I think we can make great strides working together. And one of the areas I would love to work with is to bring more private partnerships, including the business community, in to help solving that problem. Because um, I'll use the example of San Francisco. We see what's going on in that city right now. And it, um, 
I think if when you have one element of your community that's not working the right way, everyone tends to pay for it. And um, we see the businesses that have failed as a result of the the over the increase in homeless population. And how do we do that in a way that respects the rights of these individuals while uh, making sure that we balance it against the other interests, including the business interests and the interests of regular constituents? So, Well, and those are certainly big issues and, yeah. and top of mind here in Phoenix for a lot of us. And, I, and I'm really glad to hear that you're looking at it from maybe a different lens uh, with fresh eyes. And I guess that's what I think, you know, makes people coming into the system so attractive in terms of the the candidacy. Yeah. Um, obviously, we just had it during your inauguration. Yes. Only been it freshly minted. Freshly minted. I just made two months on Saturday. So Congrats. I can finally say months instead of weeks. <laughs> And so, you know, at the legislature, when I was on staff, I remember members coming in. It really is a whirlwind. Talk to us about this first two two months. The first two months was, I, I think it was more, um, one, getting my staff in place, not only myself learning the information, making sure my staff has the information we needed to serve the pop, to serve our residents, making sure we continued to engage, um, keeping up with the city business. And as you, there was a couple things that came up. I wanted to make sure, I'm a lawyer by trade, so I like to make sure I have as much information as possible before I make a decision. So it was a very, like, um, at first, the, the phrase I heard a lot was it was like drinking from a fire hose. And I was like, that's so cliche, but it actually was very true. Was it really? <laughs> yes, it was just information overload. Um, and I like to, I'm still a highlighter and pious person. So I, <laughs> I still like, like to read and Good. make sure I take notes and make sure I understand what's going on. So from that perspective, it was like, I'll, I'll equate it to like trial preparation in a very much condensed um, format for me. And I think one of the one of the benefits too in, in, at the city level is the staff is so good. They have good tenure and they they their their knowledge is so deep that you can really rely on them in terms of some of these questions. Correct. I, I did rely on them for a lot of questions, and some of it I wanted to understand from my own perspective. Of I know um, that the relay of information can be can be guided based on who is the person conveying the information, and not that I don't trust the information being given to me. I just want to make sure I understand it. Fully. Sure, so, absolutely. So when we talked about District Eight. Give us the mets and bounds of District 8, which I'm sure, especially after the campaign, you're, you're intimately familiar with. I'm intimately familiar with it. We start as far west as Levine. So you wow. can start at uh, Southern and take that all the way to the South Mountain Freeway. Sorry, South Mountain, the actual park. Then we're going to head we're going to head east. So you include South, what is now South Mountain, South Phoenix area. Um, goes north now to the airport. We take all the way to about 44th Street. Take that all the way so north. Catch the edge of the airport. I can't. No, I can encumber the entire. OK. Airport. Yes. Um, take that up to uh, up to about Thomas. So we have our. Like the Arcadia Light area, I include that as well. And then you head back west to about Third Street, and you come on down. So I include some of downtown. So it's a very diverse, I was about to varied say, district. You can't be more than diverse than that. <laughs> no, it's a great mix. I mean, it helps me when I'm looking at situations not to look at it just as one singular pocket because I. Literally, my district represents a, a, a smothering of our community, of our city. And it's like, what is best for our city is something I have to always look at. Right. You got suburban. Yeah. You got agricultural. Yep. You got an airport. Yeah. If you got urban. Yes. <laughs> so how do you manage all of that? I, I mean, a lot of miles, I'm assuming, on your car um, yes. and a lot of and, and a lot of meeting with constituents as you go. Yes. And it's about making sure I, I plug in. I stay plugged in with a variety of the neighborhood associations and the block watch and understanding what's important to them um, because I, I've learned quickly that there is no one solution that fits all. 
So what might be important um, might not be as important for the other part of the district. And it's about, okay, well, I hear this concern, so I have to make sure that I integrate as many concerns into finding the right solution. And uh, I know that you've been very vocal in terms of the Phoenix Goban project. You want Correct. to talk to us a little bit about that and, and, and why it's important for the business community? Like I said before, I think it's uh, it's important to the business community because it if one segment of our population, our community is not working the right way or it's slacking, it, everybody feels the consequences of it. And the GoBond, I'm excited to be co-chairing that initiative um, from a campaign standpoint. It's a $500 million investment in our city, and it's much needed, and it covers a variety of issues. We can start off with the community safety components of it. It includes the expansion of the community assistance program. It provides for a new precinct and it provides for fire upgrades to our fire station. I guess we've had some, there is sort of a delay issue isn't there for uh, fire departments getting to the scene because we don't have enough uh, fire departments. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, From a logistics standpoint, Mm -hmm. the city has grown tremendously over the last, let's say 20 years. And the last time we've had a, a bond initiative was about 20 years ago. So we're trying to make up much needed ground. Um, we also see a lot of investments in things that are important to people in the park, like the parks. We are expanding the parks and areas um, since we've grown, making some upgrades, some improvements. We also are investing in some of the arts. So, you know, having a cultural hub is important for our, our city. Um, some of the things that we are, the bond would fund would be, for example, the Latino Cultural Center. It would be provided for a Jewish museum. We are the largest city without a Holocaust museum. So it would be bringing those kind of arts to it. And most importantly, I think, is, as I mentioned, we have a housing crisis. And one of the things that the bond would do is bring almost a thousand units of affordable housing on the scene, which is much needed. Um, And it also provides for some senior centers and those types of things for a quality of life. I think it's a great um, uh, solution or a formula to help make to address some of the common issues that we're seeing now. And it also includes the infrastructure and drainage Mm. and streets. Some of the things things we we don't think we don't see, we don't think about it until we have somebody house floods Mm. because we don't have proper drainage. So those types of things, it it has, I think, I think personally, a good variety of um, addressing those needs. Well, and I think you mentioned the fact that the last bond was about 20 years ago. That is correct. Which makes it hard to remember what that was even about. <laughs> this is a much shorter time frame. Am I correct? Correct. Um, and so we, if you want to think about some of the things that it represented, um, it represented ASU downtown. Like that was one of the signature programs right. that came out of the bond. What a difference. Right? And what a difference it made to downtown. I lived in downtown actually before ASU um, downtown became a thing. And I can personally attest to the vibrancy and the life that having a campus did bring to um, our downtown. We not only have yeah. ASU now, we have U of A. It's now a thriving uh, metropolitan. So. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think especially having a smaller chunks and, and, and not, you know, billions and billions, but 500 million, which is still substantial, will help us really see some gains on a more uh, rapid basis. And the 500 million to those that it may seem like a lot, it literally equates to six cents a day. Um, on And it will be, um, if it has passed, the projections show that you won't even see an increase in your property tax. So that's what I think is what gives it so much possibility. It's like you can do so much good with not having any greater financial. And as, as far as the campaign, you're obviously co-chair. What, what's the time frame? When is the election? So the election is in November. It is an all-male um, election, meaning that we will, the ballots will be mailed to um, residents ahead of the election. 
Okay. They can return it by mail and there will be designated voting centers where they can return their ballots. Excellent. So moving on to a couple of other issues, uh, you, you have, as you mentioned, you work for the government side, but you also understand private sector. That is correct. And that was something that we, that I think really for us was very attractive in your candidacy. Talk to us about some of the economic development initiatives you're thinking about um, as you begin this process. As I mentioned, I would love to see business and private and Private, more private and public collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I really would like to get off of the ground is an incubator program in that area, in those areas where they don't have as much financial um, resources, mm-hmm. as well as where we don't have as many quality jobs. I believe that the the gauge of success in a neighborhood is where we can live, work, and play. And there are parts of my district, unfortunately, where you can't do all three. You have to transition to somewhere else. And I think there's also a large segment of, uh, not large, a a significant segment of my population, which are young entrepreneurs that just need a little bit of guidance to figure out how to do it right. Like we have, I mean, we see a lot of companies come into Phoenix to make it a hub, but I also see there's a, we have the talent here as well. And I think we need to foster it as we move it forward. so. So, and I think to your point about opportunity and talent, it sounds like there could be some opportunity for us to work together on a workforce development initiative as well. Yes, 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 yes. All that. (laughs) So the fact that you're um, also connected to the airport, uh, what have you learned and how, how do you feel we need to be looking at the airport in terms of economic development and support for that particular, I, I guess I would call it economic jewel here in Phoenix? It is definitely economic jewel. It's the largest economic driver in our state, actually. We, um, and I think it's about how to, one of the things that we can do to be more supportive is we can introduce individuals how better to work with the airport. There's a lot of opportunities, mm-hmm. I think, that are available through the airport. I don't think everybody is aware of those. And how do we get more services being provided by local Phoenicians versus, and no offense to the outside uh, businesses, but I think we may, uh, I would like to see us imp- uh, improve our local representation as well as our minority representation and services and contracts. Oh, well, you're right. I mean, when you get to, someone lands here and they get to experience like a Matt's Big Breakfast. Yes. That's us. Yes. And it's nice to be able to showcase that versus uh, something that they can see nationally everywhere. Correct. It's, it's about showing what makes us uniquely Phoenix. And uh, I know that uh, we're always hoping for some more international flights, anything on that front that you can share with us that perhaps you've learned? Personally, not yet. <laughs> okay. Well, but I'll let you know as soon as I do. I know that uh, there's going to be some uh, trips, I believe, to Taiwan. So hopefully there's something there. And- yes, I do know that that Taiwan is possibly. Um, sorry. So I do know something. There you go. And <laughs> we're uh, looking into that. As far as uh, homelessness is concerned, obviously there's been a lot of talk about that recently. You know, what are some what are some things we need to be thinking about in terms of in terms of really finding a to your point a holistic solutions that also respects the rights of the people that are out there on these streets and don't obviously want to be there. Uh, so some of the solutions I think we should be considering is um, I know the city, for example, we invested uh, in uh, bringing some more. Units that can be assembled rather quickly and don't require as much infrastructure hookup. And I think we need more of those. And I think we need to possibly partner with the churches and nonprofits that have uh, vacant land at this juncture just to have some temporary housing at this juncture until uh, we can get more permanent structures in place. Um, We do see there's quite a number of home builders that are trying to fill this need. And one of the things I think the city should be working on, and I 
I'm actually hoping to be working with it with um, Councilman Deb Starks is how can we reduce the permanent time so that we can get these units constructed in a way that's more timely. And people, um, we have to remember, I, I learned this adage and most of us know it, is time is money. And when you consider the holding cost of holding this property and not being able to develop and not getting our permits done at a certain time, it has trickle down effect. And it also is increasing the cost of home ownership. I am a fan of home ownership because I think it's usually for many individuals, the first step in financial freedom and building generational wealth. So we definitely want to make it more achievable for more individuals. And it's such a worthy goal. And I, and I have to agree, uh, permanent time, and it's certainly not uh, unique to Phoenix. Correct. Uh, but, but we, it is something that is low hanging fruit, it mm-hmm. would seem. And if you can move a barrier out of the way for a home building and get more people to your point in either affordable housing or attainable housing, like you mentioned, what a, what a game changer that can be in your right. That does lead to generational wealth. Correct. Um, I spoke with a group of, we spoke to a group last week. And when I just factored in the cost of say, this item takes three months to, to, um, to be done. If we can shorten that to say one month, we save, um, Almost, I think it was almost like five or six thousand dollars on the final price to our individual, and it may not seem like a lot, but it adds up over time. Absolutely. So if we can cut three or four items in that manner, we now cut it from fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to the average cost of a home from that cost of that home. Sorry. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that we're hearing about, and I hear from my colleagues around the country, especially in places like Seattle and San Francisco, is organized retail theft being becoming yes. a real challenge, and and certainly. It's a, it's a problem for the business community, but mm-hmm. to your point, those costs are passed on yes. to consumers. Any thoughts on, on how we might attack that problem here in Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction is um, we need to ensure that there are consequences for that because behaviors don't, you know, don't usually change without some level of consequences. And I get it. We don't want to criminalize individuals that are homeless, but at the same time, I don't believe that everyone that is doing the organized theft or just walking into your, your everyday Walgreens or Walmart or is actually unsheltered. I think we need to ensure that we are, um, understanding why they're doing it, removing those barriers. If someone is doing it because they're hungry or whatever, we try and make sure we have the resources. But for those that are just using this as a way of life, I think we need to show that that's not what, that's not acceptable. So I, I, I want to make sure that I also touch on transportation. We do a really good job, obviously from a, a our, our road infrastructure, our freeway infrastructure, but also um, our very intentional about things like light rail and bus transit that's being debated at the legislature yes. right now, not to get into that fight, but, you know, in terms of priorities for Phoenix um, transportation, as far as economics development is concerned. I think transportation is definitely something we need to continue to focus on as we continue to grow. I think it's not feasible to expect that every Phoenician will have a private vehicle to be able to, to get to and from work or to school. And we need to make sure we have the resources to help people get to, if they're going to school or to college or to an employment or simply come into a, they want to go hang out downtown and spend uh, money in a retail environment. We want to make sure that they're able to do so in a way that does not become burdensome. And it's also good for the environment. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the challenges sometimes for, for the business community or just people generally is they feel like, um, government's sort of over here and it's there, it, it's always difficult to in, operate in that environment. You've now done both you private sector and now elected and, and nonprofit. What's the best way do you think for uh, the business uh, community to interact and to work with city council? 
That's a great one. I think the best way to interact is understanding the goals of each one of those sectors. Um, and I think sometimes you'll see it where the public sector, I said, I don't think understands the goal of the private sector. And I think it's about, and I don't think it's always just about making money for the private sector, but we have to realize that we can't expect the private sector to move forward an initiative if there is simply just going to be a deficit at the end of the day. Um, many developers or investors or business owners, as I understand, I, I stood on the other side, is in order for them to usually get their start, they have to get financing or funding from somewhere. And you normally got to put up a personal guarantee and yeah, so they're now personally vested in making sure this is successful because at the end of the day, that could mean the difference between them continuing to not only operate their business, but it could, could mean losing some of their potential assets if they are not successful. And I think just remembering the goals and the mindset of the other side that you're dealing with and how you can come together and, and make make both sides goals match or line up, I think is the best way to move Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't disagree. And it's a tough one. And I think it's it's a little intimidating once in a while. And, and, and I think people, if they can get past that a little bit and understand each other, it helps yeah. to, to get to the goal. Um, I'd like to take your two months mm-hmm. and use a multiplier and say, okay. okay, we're now two years out. What 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 what's this going to look like in two years? What what things do you want to have accomplished in that two-year period looking back? What are some what, what, you want to Say, look, these these were the the biggest things that I've done in the last two years. What would they be? Um, hopefully successfully pass the bond, help the bond get across the finish line. Um, second thing I would definitely want to make sure that we have a more attainable units. Um, I know we are counting housing units, but I want to make sure we have an increase in the number of attainable units. I would also like to bring... Um, see quality jobs brought into those neighborhoods that I feel are lacking. And I specifically want to make sure that um, some of our more marginalized populations are being integrated better into society, whether or not that's in the workforce or whatever other resources that the government can assist with. What's the best way to, when you know, if you're talking to employers right now, mm-hmm. what's the best way to bring jobs into some of these communities you're referencing where there are jobs that are needed? Yes, it's about explaining um, some of the communities, they one may not have the skill set or they may have things in their past that make them not uh, as an appealing of a candidate. But I think it's about explaining to them or showing them that these individuals are deserving of a second chance uh, or, a fir- or a first chance, for lack of a better word, on making these opportunities. And their investment in these individuals um, could be the difference between these individuals leading productive lives and these individuals becoming a part of the cycle that we don't want to see in our community and asking them to take those types of risks. And I know there are some skills, some jobs that they are not, it may not be best suited for, but I think there are plenty that we can um, integrate those individuals into. I think we need to make sure that I feel like if our city doesn't work for the, doesn't work for the majority, it doesn't work for any of us. So how do we get more people for it to work? Absolutely. And that that's good for everybody. Yes. Well, uh, Councilwoman, I want to thank you for spending so much time with us today. Before we leave, I'm going to do a quick lightning round. With okay. you. I promise this is easy. Okay. Okay. So what, what's first job? Not not necessarily professional, but first oh, job. Oh, first job. I was counting inventory at a gift shop at a hotel my mom did bookkeeping for. Excellent. Uh, so mom put you to work? <laughs> yes, she did. And what did you learn? I learned that I did not like tedious work. I did not like counting. But you things. became a lawyer. No, but at least I use my mind as a lawyer. Okay. Tedious work. I'm just counting boxes on a shelf and I'm writing it down. And so maybe that's so why could, you don't do tax law. Yes, that's probably why I don't do tax law. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you, Mom. Uh, now, obviously, you have a great job. But 
the dream job? I know it's not skydiver, but what <laughs> what would be your dream job? I mean, my dream job has always been a job where I can make an impact. Mm -hmm. So right now, I guess I'm living my dream. Yeah, I, I would guess that's true. Um, and then finally, mm -hmm. you know, it seems like everything's superheroes these days. What would be your superhero alter ego? Who would you be? Ah, now you're stumping me. Um, I mean, I like Batman because he has all kind of cool gadgets. That's about it. Hey, that's a good one. <laughs> We, uh, we had, uh, I talked to someone uh, a few weeks ago who basically said that he, he kind of, when he was young, thought he might be Batman. He sort of okay. had, that his parents hadn't told him. Okay. And then they named his um, brother Robin and he was convinced. So, <laughs> so, you know, I, I like it. We'll, we'll go with that. Uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your service to Arizona. And I think to your point, um, for wanting to make a difference for not just a few people, uh, but for all of Phoenix and, and our community. Thank you.